Hello, greetings and salutations and welcome to the podcast that takes a look at albums, video games and films and asks anyone for seconds. I'm your host Dave. How's it going? Absolutely beautiful day outside, typical British bank holiday weather at the time of recording. This time we travel back to 1994 to take a look at Guybar, Dark Hero. To save his friends, mankind, and the Earth, Sean Baker must again become the Guyver. He is the only one. The last hope to defeat the predators of the galaxy. The final battle for the fate of the world begins. Dave, mate, why are you looking at the second film and not the first one? Well, I personally feel that the second Guyver film is a lot less underseen in comparison to the first film. Also, it's worth noting that obviously the first film is now more radically seen due to the recent re-release on Blu-ray. And also, the second film, it stars David Hayter. And to be honest, who can pass that up? As is the usual form for these episodes, shall we start with a wonderful context dump of epic proportions? It's not going to be as long as the last episode, I swear to you. Alright? Guyver, Dark Hero, also known as The Guyver 2, is a 1994 American superhero film based off of the manga and anime by Yoshiki Takeya. The Guyver, Dark Hero, is directed by Steve Wang, and with a screenplay written by Nathan Long in one of his only big screen writing credits. It's also interesting to know that Steve Wang was actually co-director on the original film, and therefore took complete control with the second film. Due to the film's low budget, which was an estimated $900,000, Guyver, Dark Hero, was actually a straight-to-video release in the United States, while it was given a very limited theatrical run in foreign countries. This is also one of the only cases where a franchise has hardened its tone rather than going from an R rating to a PG-13. The original Guyver film was actually rated a PG-13, while the second film received an R rating. As previously noted, this was one of David Hayter's very first leading roles on film, before he eventually went on to not only voice Solid Snake in the Metal Gear Solid games on the PlayStation, but also write a fair few films as well, including some of the X-Men series for Fox, and also help write Zack Snyder's Watchmen movie. While Guyver Dark Hero was not successful on its initial release, it slowly became a cult favourite on home video. Well, I suppose you need a synopsis for this film now, don't you? Well, thanks to Letterboxd.com, you can have one! Sean Barker became the unwitting host to an alien armour known only as the Guyver. Over a year ago, he destroyed the Kronos Corporation, an organisation who want the Guyver. Barker is now trying to find out why the Guyver unit forces him to fight and kill evil. Ooh, dark and brooding superhero. I tried to find reviews online from the time, and I could only actually really find one or two of them. One of these reviews was from Entertainment Weekly. Glenn Kenny actually gave the film a rating of a B+, 
stating that Dark Hero takes on the goofily hallucinogenic air that's generally amusing if you're in the right frame of mind. David Johnson of website DVD Verdict didn't actually give the film a score, but his review, however, is very positive and states that not only is the action 100 times better, and also that it kept him fairly entertained throughout. With the context dump out of the way, shall we ask anyone for seconds? Let's join Dave now in the past as he watches the film for the first time to see what he makes of it. My experience with The Giver is that recently I have watched the original one because it is, it's not long been re-released on Blu-ray by the wonderful Arrow video. So for this version, we are watching just the standard normal DVD version from 2000. Good Lord. Okay, but the film's actually from 1994, so already it's kind of made its way out to be, yeah, this is a this is going to be a harder rated film. This is already blood and guts and gore. So I remember when I was younger, kind of the main reason I wanted to see the films is because I believe they're in some of the English reprints of old comic books of like Superman and Batman and X-Men and stuff like that. They would have the big kind of page spread poster of the Giver and it was of the actual suit itself and it looked cool as hell. So I was always really drawn to that image and it's kind of stuck with me over the years until I guess it was a couple of years ago where Arrow put out obviously the original film again on Blu-ray. It seems to be a lot darker and mature. I think the problem with the first one was that it was kind of over the top and really goofy. It made for a really weird jarring experience to kind of watch. The creature effects in that film were amazing though, don't get me wrong. I think it was... Oh, I can't remember the guy's name now. Screaming screaming Mad George, possibly, I think his name was. But it was it was weird. It was like, yeah. It was kind of really goofy over the top and cartoony. It was, yeah. Not great. So I'm hoping this one is going to be an improvement. Because already they've replaced half of the cast. This is already so much better. So we've kind of got lots of fighting sequences in the moment. They're just the guy in the guy the suit. I can't remember his name now. I can't remember the character's name now. Oh, good Lord. Um, Sean Barker. Sean. It's already so much better. That's the other thing I should mention as well. So while I was doing research for watching this, I've noticed that there is actually an extended director's cut version, which apparently is much better than the theatrical cut, but I mean, that's kind of only, that's kind of, that's actually quite expensive to buy, so obviously, oh, oh, oh my god, he cut his... Oh, God, he slit the guy's throat open. Good Lord. Wow. Okay. Anyway, as I was saying, so there is actually a director's cut version, which apparently adds in 
a bit more fighting, a bit more of the love story apparently that forms and stuff. And apparently it's a lot better than the theatrical cut of this film. But again, I've never seen this one. So, yeah. That was a cool opening. It's got Terminator 2 uh, text though. That's pretty cool. David Hayter plays... What? David Hayter of Sonny Snake fame. Good lord. Okay. Gotta find another gear. It's kind of weird seeing David Hayter in an acting role because obviously he's a prolific voice actor. So it's kind of weird not... Well, basically seeing him. It's kind of odd. I mean, I'll go with it, though. And he's honestly going to be so much better than the guy who played the Guyver and Sean in the last film because, my God, he was an annoying twerp. Although, having said that, the previous film did have Michael Berryman in it and it did have uh, uh, Linnea Quigley as well, so... Swings and roundabouts, you get horror royalty with the first film. Oh, and the first film had Mark Hamill in it as well, which is just bonkers. Who had a really um, dodgy moustache, if memory serves, as well. Not doing particularly good work. But nonetheless, although in this one you've got the immortal uh, David Hayter. So, you know, he swings and roundabouts, you know, that's fine. So it's at this moment here that we finally get our look at the werewolf bear creature. That's obviously the locus have been talking about. And it looks pretty cool actually. It's, you know, really tall, you know. It looks really cool that. I really like it. It's got a really cool design to it. I was a bit worried obviously because Screaming Mad George obviously hadn't got... Oh my god, he's squirting blood like no one's business. You know, obviously I was a bit worried because Screaming Mad George isn't actually involved in sort of the creature effects in this one. But I actually, if anything, they look really, it looks scarier than the previous film. It's really quite cool. And thus the Giver has turned up now as well. There he is, he's, gonna, he's about to take on our um, alien type. Dude, chap. So if anything, right now, I kind of feel like I'm watching uh, Power Rangers. Not that that's necessarily a bad thing, because I quite like Power Rangers. So, you know. I mean, there's a guy in a suit beating up another guy, um, another guy in a suit who's dressed as a monster. I mean, I'm okay with this. Speaking of Power Rangers... It's again a bit off topic, but if you ever get the chance, <laughs> you should find Power Rangers Super, I think it's Super Mega Force. It's one of the very last episodes from that series. They have a team up between every single Ranger from the last 20 years, and it is awesome seeing all of them all together um, fighting and stuff. You even get the cameo from, obviously, Jason, uh, Jason David Frank. Three first names? Yeah, but anyway, 
It was a great episode. It was fantastic. <laughs> it just suddenly got me thinking of Power Rangers watching this. Good stuff. Good stuff. So you know what really strikes me about this film? Is how insanely 90s it is. Because, I mean, you've got all these, uh, I guess, they're teenagers, early 20s, you know, people. And they're all digging in a cave. And all of the female characters and things, they're all wearing short shorts and, and vests where the guys are wearing, you know, they're, they're wearing their, like, jeans and... Probably Jordash jeans, to be fair. It was the 90s. You know? The Jordash look. Anyway, moving on from that. It's just so insanely 90s. They're all kind of in this cave and they're all wearing... The, all the female characters, they're all like... I, I, I don't know. So 90s. Not that that's a bad thing. I mean, I'm all up for B, 90s B-movie cheese. And that's fine. I'm also wondering, because obviously it's taken half an hour to get to this point, how much longer would the director's cut of BIM up to this point? Would it have taken longer or what? I don't know. be an interesting view to find out, I guess. So, they've all climbed inside this... The massive spaceship that they've been digging underground for. And I've got to say, the set design is pretty bloody cool. I mean, it's technolo it looks technological. It looks alien. It feels alien. It looks, well, really badass, you know? For a 90s film that probably didn't have a lot of budget, I believe the budget was something stupid like... $900,000. It's absolutely crazy what, what they've spent it on, you know? Looks really good. I'm really quite thoroughly impressed. You know, you've got kind of the walls and obviously the lines and the things like that. It's really cool. I love it. So we're about 50 minutes in. We're finally getting sort of plot progression and story progression. I can see kind of why it was met with criticism when it came out. I mean, it's uh, already, it's so much better than the first one. But it's kind of plodding along at quite a slow pace. I feel like that this whole bit could have been done in maybe... Well, less time, really. I mean, maybe they could have done it in about 30 minutes. Kind of dig it. Oh, God, that was quite cool when he transformed. Oh, okay. He's a, he's a funny-looking chap. Sorry, but the guy he was just talking to has just turned into an alien. He looks really cool. So I'm hoping the rest of the runtime, to be honest, is kind of going to be... Um, is going to be fighting because I mean the plot is really sort of non-existent yeah and you can kind of call it right from the start so 
I mean, it's an interesting way for a sequel to go as well, is obviously they're kind of tapping into the origin of the Giver suit and things like that as well. I mean, I personally, I wouldn't have known how to have done a sequel to the first one in the first place, but this does seem like kind of a logical way to go. Like I say, exploring the origin of the Giver suit and obviously the Zoonoids and things like that. I mean, this is, I mean, aside from the slow plot progression at the start, I mean, it's not, it's not a bad film. I'm not saying it's good, but then it's not bad at the same time. It's kind of just um, serviceable, you know, you're not going to watch it for the plot and things. You're going to watch it for, I mean, if you like the first one, you watched it obviously for the aliens and obviously the guy with a suit. I mean, you're not going to watch this one for the plot. Again, you're going to watch it for the aliens and the suits and stuff. Do you know what? As controversial as this is going to be, I'm going to say it right now. A modern day remake, not even a remake, a reboot with modern filmmaking techniques, modern cameras, modern, you know, effects, not necessarily CGI, but practical effects and the way they've come now. A new Giver film would be awesome. I would, I'd pay and watch that. I mean, I know this is kind of uh, the Giver films aren't really well regarded in sort of fans of the anime and things like that. But I've personally never seen the animes, and I'm, I'm, I'm quite enjoying this one. But like I say, a modern reboot would be really cool. You could get a, a virtually unknown actor to portray Sean because. What's he going to be in it? Maybe half the film and then the other half is just you get a stunt guy in a suit to kind of, you know, jump about, throw about, things like that. As much as I am really enjoying this, don't get me wrong, I think this is really quite good. Bad, quote unquote, as bad a film as it is. It's, it's just cheesy fun, isn't it? You know? I do feel like the director's cut, extended cut, American cut, whatever you want to call it, would add so much more. Because this kind of feels like a bit of fairly pedestrian plot guy to be the bad guys are actually these people and such and such. I just feel like if there was a bit more, it would add to it a lot more. I feel like the fights aren't long enough either. Well, it's a bad thing per se, because, I mean, you do get aliens, you know, you get rubber aliens beating up other aliens in rubber suits and stuff. And, yeah, you know, good good, good lord, he actually, that alien biting that other alien and there's blood coming out. That's great. It's really weird for a franchise that started off as a PG-13, I think the original one was, and then they kind of went, do you know what, we're going to up the gore. And they went for an R rating for this. It's crazy. I do feel like, you know, like I said previously, a bit more in it would really help it. It's tremendous fun, though. The, the suits look, I mean, the aliens, they look great. The fighting, it's not particularly anything sort of, anything really sort of exciting but it's enough to kind of go yeah they're, they're beating each other up and, and that's good you know it's what i wanted to be fair 
And then as well, I feel like they could have ramped up. There's been sort of scenes in the film where they've kind of gone for a horror angle. I feel like they could have upped the horror angle a bit more. Maybe not showing off the whole Zonoid alien things straight off the bat straight away because by the time you've then seen them and they keep reappearing and kind of bored of the look of them. If maybe they'd shown they took like the Jaws approach where they'd only seen bits of them and then and then you get the final kind of reveal shot and they're horrifying and that 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 really would have amplified it for me. Should have leaned a bit more into the horror aesthetics and things because I really do think as I said previously I think a modern reboot or something like this, they could really, it could be great. This this is an IP that is, you know, right for exploring. Especially with, you know, we've recently had Battle Angel, uh, sorry, no, it's not called Battle Angel Elita. It's called Elita Battle Angel, you know, recently come out. And that was surprisingly good. You know, I love that film. I don't have no affinity with the anime or the manga or anything like that. That was a great film. Uh, you know, with, you know, Hollywood looking for the next sort of big IP. This could honestly be it, you know? Good Lord, the effects work in this film. For early 1994. Wow. So we've just had the Guyver defeat the Zoanoid put on his own Guyver suit type thing. He's obviously beaten the crap out of him. And then the guy and then the evil Zoanoid Guyver started to melt. And good lord, that looked gooey and horrific and terrifying and wow, that looked amazing. And obviously then you've had the Guyver, the good Guyver, well Sean I should say, open his chest to then I guess kill the other one that was really cool that looked really good for a 90s film anyway that looked really freaking cool and even with the the smoke the, the, the vents of steam coming out of the guyver's face and stuff that wasn't cgi that was practical effect that's really cool you know honestly it's this Wow. And with that, we are out. Guyver the Dark Hero has finished. Well. Well, I don't really know what to say. <laughs> That's quite funny though right there. There's a guy in the credits listed as a crusty old man. Hmm. Nice. Let's cut back now to Dave in the future. Yeah, from when we're recording this bit, it'll be in the future. So let's cut back now to Dave in the future to give you his concise reserve view about the film. Dave, take it away. Thanks, Dave. In the past, uh, I guess, Guy the Dark Hero is pure 90s cheese. If you liked Power Rangers back then, there's probably a very good chance that this will definitely tick boxes for you. Yes, the plot is formulaic and pedestrian, but that's not what should be the main focus here. The set design, 
including that of inside the alien spacecraft. It's fantastic. The team managed to pull off a magnificent feat building it. It's small detailing that just boggles the mind and is far too good for a film like this. The Giver suit itself, although somewhat rubbery, it looks great, as do the Zoonoid alien suits. A lot of care and attention has been put into not only the look of them, but also allowing movement so that the stunt performers can do their thing. That is no easier task. Just ask anyone who's built the Batsuit for any incarnation of Batman on screen. While it may not necessarily be accurate to the original manga or anime, there's still a lot of fun to be had here with this film. Sure, the acting by the cast isn't anything spectacular, but that's not to say that it isn't bad. But then again, it's not particularly good. Again, though, that's not why you're here. You're here to watch rubbery aliens beat up a man in a rubbery suit. I do feel that if you're going to seek this out to watch, maybe try the director's cut. From my understanding, the extended director's cut, it lengthens fights as various plot elements that help explain plot holes in the UK cut and generally improves things. I can't actually vouch for that, but I think that for now, if if you're new to the Giver, skip the original film and head straight for this film. I know you're going to be tempted by Mark Hamill, Linnea Quigley and Michael Berryman being in that first film, but trust me, The 90s cheese and over-the-top fights would be enough to satisfy anyone wanting a more mature version of Power Rangers. That's not really Power Rangers. Thanks once again for listening. Do you agree? Disagree? Really wished I went back and reviewed the first film rather than the second film? Why not send me a message? We're on Twitter as at anyonepodcast. We also have a lovely page on the Facebook. Just search for Anyone for Seconds Podcast. You'll find it. We are on there. This time... I think I'm going to leave you with the theme tune from the film. Thanks again for listening. Stay safe. You got this.